Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. You know, I desire to um, bring you hopefully the greatest encouragement possible today. And I hope that you will walk out of here today feeling amazingly encouraged and feeling safe because God wants you to have security in your salvation. I want to start, this is not in your notes, um, I just want to start reading Psalms 51 with you just for a moment because it, it... it reminds me of how the enemy works. Um, <clears throat> Satan, uh, Satan, once you are saved, he, he cannot do anything about your salvation. But he spends a lot of time trying to cause you to lose the joy of your salvation. Now, David, after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, after he was responsible for the murder, the death of her husband, here's what he had to say. He said, have mercy on me, O God. I mean, the mercy of God was all he could hope for at that point. Because of your unfailing love. So it was based on who God is, not who David is. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. See, he's naming all the things he's asking of God because none of them can David do for himself. For I have recognized my rebellion. Now, that was the one thing he could do. He could recognize, he could um, see just how far he had fallen. It haunts me day and night. In other words, I, I can't sleep. I cannot focus during the day and I cannot sleep or rest at night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. And and that's just a reminder that it's only the sight of God that matters. God's definitions are the only definitions that matter. So what God calls good, that's what is good. What God calls evil, that is what is evil. What God calls is sin, that is sin. And you will be proved right in what you say. And your judgment against me is just. So David's acknowledging, I messed up royally. And whatever you do to me, I've earned it. I deserve it. He said, I was born a sinner. From the moment of my, my mother conceived me. But you desire honesty from the womb. You, you want me to just be honest with you. To speak truth. Purify me from my sin and I will be clean and wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, and and here it is. Give me back my joy again. A few verses later, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uh, I've always wondered, why didn't he say my salvation? Well, it's 
salvation that God has given us. It belongs to him. He's the one that can give it. Only he can give salvation. And so David was saying, I've messed up royally. I haven't lost my salvation, but I've lost the joy of it. And that's where I believe so many of you are right now. You see, Satan will trip us up, lay traps for us, and we'll mess up, we'll sin. And then we start to lose that peace, that joy. I mean, even when you have a major moment in your walk with the Lord, you know, in those moments, we'll say things like, all right, from here on out, it's never going to be the same. It's going to be totally different. I'm not going to fall back into those sins again. I'm not going to do that again. And lo and behold, before you know it, there you are once again. And then you just beat yourself up. You cannot sleep at night. Satan is always reminding you of it. The joy is gone. And so David was asking God, he said, I, you know, he's almost like he's saying, I don't deserve it. I cannot earn it. I can only confess. And because of who you are, return to me the joy of my salvation. In Ephesians 1, the Bible says, and, and now you Gentiles have, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own. And the way he did it was by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. So the moment you responded to the gospel, see, God takes the initiative, you respond to it. He gives you his Holy Spirit. And the Spirit is God's guarantee. Some translations say seal. He is the guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he purchased us to, his own, to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. You see, it, it always is about God. But here's the key truth uh, that I want you to get today. When you were saved, you can never stop being saved. That's what we hold to. If your salvation was based on who you were, you would have lost it a long time ago. And Paul made it clear, if you, if you can lose your salvation, Jesus can't die on a cross again. How can you get your salvation back? When a person is saved, he or she will not stop being saved. So God sealed you with this Holy Spirit. A seal is, a, is to permanently mark something. And that seal comes following a personal commitment that you made. Uh, God does not force it on anyone. In fact, you know, it's a hard truth to think about this, but the reality is nobody has to be saved. But everyone will worship Jesus. Everyone. 
People who are saved will worship Jesus and people who are not saved will worship Jesus. People who claim to be atheists will worship Jesus. The Hitlers of the world right now are worshiping Jesus. Even in all their torment and suffering. This sealing takes place after you receive the gospel. You don't lose your salvation when you sin, but you sure can lose the joy of it. And I I cannot help but believe there are many of you here today, you have joyless salvation. And it's a lie that Satan has drawn you into. So let's deal with that one. Number one, salvation is a person. It's Jesus Christ. It's not a thing, it's a person. In 1 John 5, it says, and this is what God has testified. And I want to tell you, when God testified to something, it, it is the absolute truth. He has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. So eternal life is Jesus. Whoever has the son has life. And whoever does not have God's son does not have life. That is a clear division. In fact, it's the only division that really matters. Doesn't matter whether you're male or female or whatever category you choose to put yourself in. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. There's two categories of people, period. The only ones that matter, the only category that matters, those who have Jesus Christ and those who do not. You know, in a two-week period, we did Mary's mother's funeral and we did my mother's uh, husband's funeral. And they were both absolutely saved. And they have zero fear of death. And they were ready to to go to heaven. They wanted to go to heaven. They were ready to get there. And I'm amazed how often we as Christians pray people out of heaven. (laughs) You know, I, I didn't pray for their healing. I prayed for their home going. Because that's what they asked. And we were praying that God would quickly take them to his kingdom. And it was... It was sad, but joyful. Two extreme emotions at the same time. A sadness, but yet a celebration. And their services that I had the privilege of conducting, Mac and I both did a Mac saying, and then I would uh, bring the message. And they were celebrations. The song was a celebration. The the worship, the 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 message was a celebration, but I'll never forget the very first funeral I did. I I was uh, 22 years old, 23 years old. I was in my first full-time youth ministry position, and um, I had never done a funeral before. I knew it would probably happen sooner or later. Well, it happened sooner, and it was a family that had no church. Uh, there was their 22-year-old son. They had three kids. 
their high school son had started coming to our youth group some, and, uh, and their 22-year-old son fell asleep at the wheel coming home from work and ran a red light and had a crash and died. So I was the only connection they had to church, and they asked me to do the funeral. Well, the very first question I wanted to know was, he a believer? And sadly, it was obvious that he wasn't. And man, I, I just started begging God. I said, what do I do? He said, just, just share Jesus. You don't make judgment calls. You don't say anything about what you don't know about. You just share Jesus. And as a result of that, the two siblings prayed to receive Jesus and the parents prayed to receive Jesus. And I had the privilege of baptizing. And sadly, because of their salvation, they now knew where their son was. And yes, it grieved them and it broke their heart. But they did not let that keep them from Jesus. So in the end, the only thing that matters, do you have Jesus? Period. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. So salvation is a person, Jesus Christ, the only salvation. Secondly, the gospel is the power of God. So it's not your power. It's not your ability. You cannot manufacture it. You cannot earn it. There's nothing you can do about it. The gospel is the power of God. Second Timothy one, for God saved us and he called us to live a holy life. So he saved us. You responded to it. And when we responded to it, he's called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it. Now, get this. Because it was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Now, understand what that is saying. Before Adam and Eve, God already had in place the plan of salvation. So did God know that when he created Adam and Eve, they would sin? Absolutely. Then why did he do it? I don't know. The Bible says there's mysteries and things that we don't know and there are things about God we'll never understand in this life. For me, that's one of them. Why did he put up with us to begin with? And then I became a parent. When Mary and I decided to have children, we knew what could happen. We knew that they would bring great joy, but we also knew they could bring great frustration. We knew that they would make us happy. We also knew they could make us really, really mad. And they did not disappoint. <laughs> but the hardest thing that we knew 
We knew that they would have to decide for themselves about Jesus. And there was a possibility that they would say no. Now that was hard. That we would choose to have children knowing that they may say no to Jesus. And we had them anyway. God had a plan about his son before he ever created the human race. So let me say that again. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all this plain to us by appearing, by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. So when Jesus showed up in the flesh, it became crystal clear what God was up to. He broke the power of death by raising from the dead. He illuminated the way to life. That's why the Bible says he is the light. That's why Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of that good news. That is why I'm suffering here in prison. But I'm not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust. And here it is. I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Well, what did Paul entrust to God? His eternal soul. So when Paul trusted God, when you trusted God through Jesus Christ, you were trusting your eternal soul to him. And he firmed it, confirmed it by giving you the Holy Spirit, which was a seal, the guarantee of your salvation. And that's the putting of the guard on your salvation. So yeah, you could lose your salvation if somebody who could come along and is more powerful than the Holy Spirit and break the seal. And that person does not exist. When Jesus was put in the grave, the Romans put the Roman seal on the tomb. And when you broke the Roman seal, you would be instantly put to death. The seal of the Holy Spirit that was placed on you the moment you prayed to receive Christ, nobody can break that. Not even yourself. Because you don't have more power than the Holy Spirit. So your sins, after you become a Christian, cannot break the seal of your salvation. But it can rob you of the joy of that salvation. There's nothing my kids can do to stop from being my kids. But they can take away the joy of me being their parent by the way they might behave. And then when the grandkids came along, that's when the kids call the parents and apologize. 
Number three, salvation is a free gift that is received by faith. Ephesians chapter two. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, that's every one of us, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. I don't know how this works. You know, God's not bound by time. I don't know how this happens. When I read that, it gives me the image of when God raised Jesus from the grave, I was raised with him. You were raised with him. Even before I existed. I don't know how that works. There are things about that I cannot begin to comprehend. But you, he raised us from the dead along with Christ. And this is really cool. He seated us. That's past tense. He seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. You know, when, when I read that, here, here's, what, here's what I think. I believe that every time I pray, that I'm, I'm right there seated with Jesus. And you know, when the king or queen is standing, nobody sits in front of the king or queen. But here's the God of the universe, and Jesus is seated to the right of him, and you and I are seated there with him. It's kind of like a sign that we're a part of the family. We are. So when I pray, however God does it, I'm right there in that throne room of grace. And I'm talking to the Father through the Son. You know, if that doesn't draw you to your knees when you pray, I don't, I'm not sure what will. But it also says to me, I, I don't want to waste my prayers. I don't want to pray for silly things. Short term, I, I want to pray for things that matter. I'm in the throne room of grace, God's heavenly realms. I'm right there with Jesus and I'm talking to the Father. I'm not sure I can grasp the depth of what verse 6 says. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Mm. So God can point us in all future ages, can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us. You see, God wants to point to you for the next generation to see. He wants to point to his salvation in you for the next generation to see. He wants to point in you the power of his presence, the Holy Spirit, 
the power of prayer. He wants to point to you for the next generation to see. So when he points to you, what is the next generation seeing? Are they seeing someone who's self-absorbed, only thinking about yourself, praying selfish prayers? God saved you by his, well, let me back up. So God can point to us in his future ages as examples of incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. So God wants to point to you so that they can see Jesus in you. Verse 8, God saved you by his grace when you believe. So he initiated it, but you have a responsibility to respond to it. You cannot earn it. Earn it. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You just simply respond to it. <clears throat> God saved you by his grace when you believe, and you cannot take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you have done. <clears throat> so no one can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. Let that one sink in for a second. We are God's masterpiece. You know, when I, my wife years ago bought me a really nice telescope. And... I'll never forget the first time I was able to zero in on Saturn and saw the rings around Saturn, you know, with, the, with my eyes, not a picture. And it was just overwhelming. When I look at a full moon through the telescope, I have to put a filter on there because it hurts your eyes because of the way the sun reflects off of it. I've looked at comets. I've looked at so many things in the distance, and it's overwhelming to think about the majesty of God and his creation. And in everything that God has created, and the beauty of this world, and all that he's done, he says, we are his masterpiece. He doesn't say that about anything else. We're the masterpiece. That's, that's overwhelming. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God did it for a purpose so that you and I can do. I mean, start thinking about this. All that God did to save you and the power he has placed in you, the Holy Spirit, the fact that you can be in the throne room and you're talking to God directly through, the Holy, through Jesus. And we pray, we waste our prayers on such wimpy things. Man, we need to be bold in our prayers. And we're his masterpiece. And he planned out amazing things for us to do with our lives. And yet we waste it doing our selfish stuff. 
thinking only about ourselves. We are God's masterpiece. He created us in you in Christ Jesus. You, you see that part, a new in Christ Jesus? <clears throat> he created you. You were born. Then you messed up because of sin. So God created you anew. He made you a new creation, according to 2 Corinthians. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Now let's go to a familiar verse, John three sixteen and following. He says, for this is how God loved the world. This is how he did it. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The only way. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. I love this. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. Good news, right? There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. But anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Notice that. He's, he doesn't say anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged because of all the things they did. No. The, the thing that God's going to judge is you rejecting Jesus Christ. That's what he judged. That's the unforgivable sin, is rejecting Jesus. That's the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Because only the Holy Spirit can draw you to Christ. And when you say no to Jesus, you're blaspheming the testimony of the Holy Spirit. And that sin God will not forgive. And he has already judged you for that. But praise God, if you've prayed to receive Christ, you will not be under that judgment. There is no judgment against you. John 3, 36, and anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life, period. There's no footnote there that says, if you do everything I tell you to do, if you don't mess up, if there is no footnote, anyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. Anyone who does not obey the Son will never experience their eternal life, but remember, remain under God's judgment, not just any judgment, but angry judgment. Unbelievable. Return unto us the joy of thy salvation. Now, I want to tell you why you're not saved. You're not saved because you believe in certain doctrinal facts. You're not saved because you believe certain things. You're not saved because you're a member of a certain church. You're not saved because you went through certain ritual, religious rituals and were initiated that way, like baptism. You're not saved because you were baptized. You're not saved because you were born in America. I know some people believe that. And as we've already read, you're not saved because you're a good person. You know, you can always find somebody that makes you look good. But Jesus said, 
There is none that is good. He said it. It's the truth. So what I desire for you and long for you today is that the joy of your salvation can return. And that it's based on who God is, not who you are. It's based on what God has done, not what you have done. And every time you pray, I I want you to be able just to imagine in your eyes that as a, a masterpiece of God, you're in his presence and Jesus died for you. And because he died for you and you accepted his death, you were raised with him spiritually. And now you're sitting in that throne room next to Jesus and you're interceding to God the Father. You're praying to him. And I pray that your prayers are magnificent prayers, bold prayers. And you know the most miraculous prayer that you can pray is for the salvation of someone else. It doesn't get any bigger than that because that's eternal. Have assurance of your salvation. If you're always questioning it, maybe you need to have the joy of your salvation restored to you. And God will answer that prayer because it's based on who he is. Let Let me pray with you. I I want to pray right now, and we're just going to pray for for your sense of security about your own salvation, that it's based on who Jesus is and the truth of Scripture, not your opinion, not your feelings, but on truth. And as we pray, in your mind's eye, I, I want you to just see yourself sitting right next to Jesus, and he just takes you by the hand. And he just says, let's talk to the Father. And if you don't know what to pray, my spirit will show you what to pray. Let's just enjoy being in his presence of his glory. Lord, I pray for anyone in this room who does not know salvation. That they will say yes to Jesus right now. That they'll stop trying to earn it. They'll stop trying to wait until they're good enough. They'll stop trying all the rituals. But they'll just accept what you have initiated through the death of Jesus. Now, Lord, there are a lot of believers in this room right now that um, they've lost their joy for whatever reason. Some of them have believed a lie from the enemy Some have been disobedient and 
They're living, living in an obvious sin. Some have been allowing the enemy to whisper in their ears that words of discouragement, words of, um, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy. Some have even listened to the lies of, I'm worthless. How can the masterpiece of holy God be worthless? It's the most valuable thing in the, all the universe is our eternal soul. Now I pray that you'll just bathe over every believer in this room and restore to them the joy of your salvation that you have given them. Let joy just overwhelm them, flood them. Let them feel that nail-scarred hand of Jesus as he holds their hand and, and gives them a, a, a warm reassurance of his compassionate love, his unfailing love for them. Thank you for sealing us with your Holy Spirit, our guarantee. And thank you that I never have to worry about one being more powerful than you. Who could break that seal? And thank you that I don't even have that power. Thank you for assuring me that I am saved. Let me bask in your glory, in your presence. Let me worship you. Let me give myself fully to you holding back nothing. Let me live for your glory. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen.